the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Other times he, uh, he uses circumstances to lead us and show us the way. But I want to say this. It's always consistent with his word. That's very important. I can't tell you how many times people have said things to me that totally violate God's word. And you know what there? When I tell them that, for instance, let's say someone comes to me and says, uh, I'm leaving my husband or I'm leaving my wife. Or, I'm, or, or someone will say, uh, I'm a believer and I'm getting married to this unbeliever. But that's all right. Why? Why is that all right? Because I've prayed about it. So what? So you've prayed about it. If it's not in accord with God's word and that is not in accord with God's word, then you don't really even have to pray about it because you've got the answer. God never contradicts himself. When we pray, it is vital that we test what we think might be God's response in our hearts against what he has already told us in his unchangeable word. And when we pray, we can be confident that God will answer. Sometimes we do not like his answer or we wish it would come more quickly, but he will answer us and he will have the best possible answer every time. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher as we consider the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet, one of those prophets referred to as the minor prophets. What they had to say, though, was not minor at all. The term simply describes the size of the books they wrote compared to those of the major prophets, such as Isaiah or Daniel. Habakkuk had a problem, and he took it to God. However, he was not very happy with God's answer to his prayer. Still, he trusted in God's goodness, and here in chapter 2, we find God's plan to finally triumph over sin in the end. One of the wise things Habakkuk did was to turn his problem over to God and to not take it back. That's hard to do. Now here's Pastor Steve to continue that thought in this second part of a three-part message. In his commentary on, on uh, Habakkuk, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite expositors, says this. He said, we may have to be almost violent in forcing ourselves to do this. You may have to be almost violent with, with yourself. No, I'm not taking it back. No, I don't care how tempted I am. I don't care though that Satan is flooding my mind, especially at night. When you're alone with your thoughts. No, I'm not going to think about it. You almost have to. In fact, you do have to get violent with your spirit. You have to refuse to think about it. Don't share it with everyone you meet. Just drop it in God's lap and depend on him and not others to answer it. Now, that's not saying all of the problems. I mean, God uses people to help. And so this is saying those biggies that you can't resolve in your own thinking and you've turned to the Lord and you've depended on him, then leave it with him. Isn't this an illustration of what Paul meant in Philippians chapter four? If you don't know Philippians four, you will in a while because we're going to study that. Philippians chapter four, Paul says this, and I think what Habakkuk is doing is an illustration of it in verse six and seven. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. What he's saying, be anxious for nothing. 
But what about something? No, being anxious for nothing. There's nothing that qualifies this. He doesn't say there's an exception to this. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Share it with God. Don't worry about it. Share it with God. And he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You want that peace of God? You've got to turn it over to him. Don't worry about it. Be thankful for everything. Pray about anything. Just turn it over to him. That's what Habakkuk did. Isn't this what 1 Peter 5 says? Casting all your care upon who? Him. And they had a lot of problems. That's a suffering church he's talking to in 1 Peter. Casting all your problems upon him. Why? Because he cares about you. He's not indifferent. God is listening and God is active and God wants to be involved in the process of solving your problem. So be honest with the Lord. Be honest with him, but then give it to him. Don't take it back. And I'm preaching to myself as well as you. Because I know what it's like to give things over to the Lord and then to have these things brought back to your mind and to dwell on them and to try to figure it out. You only go deeper and deeper into discouragement and introspection and into depression. Give it to the Lord and leave it there and get your mind on something else. Our attitude needs to be, God, it's no longer my problem. It's yours. You take care of it. Secondly, not only did Habakkuk commit his problem to the Lord... But Habakkuk prayed about it and he expected God to answer him. That is to say, he was waiting for God. He knew what he asked and he expected God to answer. He's on his watchtower looking for an answer, at least an attitude of heart. The principle is this. Expect God to answer you and don't forget to wait upon him. Wait on him. Some of us are just too impatient to wait. We want it now. I mean, we live in a world of instant grits, so we think everything has to be instant. I mean, I live in a world of instant grits, I should say. And so we think everything has to be instant, instant gratification. We think everything should be now, especially the answers to our prayers. It's like the person who prayed, Lord, give me patience and I want it now. And, and really, we laugh at that, but that's our attitude. Someone has said this, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, seldom found in a woman and never in a man. I don't think that's totally true. I want you to know, and, and uh, Habakkuk is certainly an exception to that little ditty, because Habakkuk wasn't like that. He was patient. He said, Lord, you've got the problem, and I'll be watching, and I'll be waiting, and I'll be listening for your answer. And God did answer him, and God does answer, and we need to affirm that in our hearts. God answers prayer. He may not answer it right now. He may not even answer it the way you want him to answer it. But he answers. How does God answer our prayers when you have that uh, seemingly unsolvable problem? Well, there's a number of ways. Let me just give them to you. First of all, he could and does answer by his word. You have a real problem on this, and you are struggling with something, God has an answer many times to those specific issues in principle uh, in his word. And you're reading the word of God and you come across something and that's it. That's what you ought to do. God gives much direction in his word concerning marriage, concerning families. That's what I ought to do. And uh, instead of rushing around to so many counselors and seeking this help, and that, there are answers in the word of God to some of life's difficult problems. Sometimes specifically, sometimes in principle. 
some of these things that we struggle with are answers in the word of their answers in the word of God. And you're reading it and God can God brings it to your understanding and you say, that's the answer. What should I do? Here's the answer. Other times, God uh, confirms something in your heart. He just gives you that that desire in your heart. He'll uh, he'll give a, a burden to your heart. Now, it's always consistent with his word. And I want to say that I want to I want to leave that for a moment, but always consistent with his word. But sometimes God just puts a burden on your heart. And sometimes he just confirms that there's an inner witness in your spirit. And uh, you say, I know that's it. That's the end. This is what God wants me to do. Other times he uh, he uses circumstances to lead us and show us the way. But I want to say this. It's always consistent with his word. That's very important. I can't tell you how many times people have said things to me that totally violate God's word. And you know what there when I tell them that, for instance, let's say someone comes to me and says, uh, I'm leaving my husband or I'm leaving my wife or I'm or, or someone will say, uh, I'm a believer and I'm getting married to this unbeliever. But that's all right. Why? Why is that all right? Because I've prayed about it. So what? So you've prayed about it. If it's not in accord with God's word and that is not in accord with God's word, then you don't really even have to pray about it because you've got the answer. Or someone will say, I have peace in my heart about this. Well, you'll never have the peace from God about something that violates the scriptures. So always when you're looking for something, you keep in mind that it has to be consistent. It will never violate his word. So now that Habakkuk has handed his confusion and his struggles over to the Lord, he's expecting an answer and God is going to begin to speak to him. But it's not the solution yet. You got to wait just another moment or two. But it's in preparation for the solution. Look at verses two and three. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail, though it tarries. Wait for it, though it will for it will certainly come. It will not delay. What does he mean by this? Habakkuk is told to write down God's answers on uh, or God's answer on a tablet. This would be a tablet of baked clay. Big, big tablet. Why? He says so that the one who reads it may run. Now, this this doesn't mean that there's some uh, professional jogger in Judah who ran around with this plaque over his head, jogging through the streets of Judah, and everybody would see it. That's not the point here. It means this. So that the messenger could read it, the messenger would read the contents of this, this uh, message on clay tablets, and then he would run and tell everyone in Israel the good news of this message. That's the point. God wanted this preserved in a permanent form, and that's what it was, so that it's not just Habakkuk who knows this, so that we could read it all these years later. So he writes down this message in tablet form and uh, someone reads it and the messenger runs off and he announces to the other Jewish people the message from God. It's, it, the imagery is it's a joyful thing. You say, joyful, this is a horrible situation. Well, you need to know the answer and we will see that in just a moment. But also God says in verse three that the contents of this answer, uh, answer to Habakkuk's problem await future fulfillment, but it will certainly come. That's the point of verse three. It hastens. It means it, it, it gasps like a runner in the Olympics now who's gasping towards the finish line, a marathon runner who's gasping. He's getting closer and closer. It hastens. It's coming closer. God wants them to know that what he has to say is true. And it will surely come to pass. Now, you're ready. 
You're ready to hear the solution from God, and it is a threefold solution. It's not just one line. It's a threefold solution. So let's look at it. The solution for the prophet and the solution when you have an unsolvable problem, at least it looks unsolvable. The first thing that God does is assure Habakkuk that he will, in his own time, judge the wicked. He will judge the Babylonians. Verse four, behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. What a verse. He makes a contrast here with two groups of people. The the proud speak of the wicked Babylonians. And at the end of verse 4, the righteous speak of the godly remnants in Israel. It's a contrast between the wicked Babylonians, godly Jews. Just a small group of Jews. Always a handful. Just a small minority. And he says that the wicked will die. They're the proud ones. They will die. By contrast, the righteous will live by his faith, or some translate this by his faithfulness, by his trust. This is a very famous verse. Paul uses this verse two times. Actually, it's used three times in the New Testament, in in Romans, in Galatians, in Hebrews. The just shall live by faith. It is the crying uh, statement of the Reformation. The just shall live by faith. Very famous verse. Very famous. It it is the basis for our understanding of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, not by works. When Paul spoke these words, wrote these words in the New Testament, he certainly meant to stress eternal salvation by God's grace through faith in the Lord. But Habakkuk is not stressing that. In fact, in its context, Habakkuk is not dealing with eternal salvation. He's not even he's not dealing with heaven. He's not doing that. Now, Paul will expand on this. But let me explain to you what Habakkuk is doing. He is saying that godly Jews, the remnant in Israel, are going to live a life full of God's blessings, an abundant life. They are not going to die by the judgments of God. In other words, God will bless godliness and he will curse wickedness. That's an Old Testament principle. God will do this. And the reason I say that he's not talking about heaven, because to an Old Testament Jewish person, the expression to live meant to experience God's fullness of life right here and now. God's blessings. It it means enjoying life to the hilt of of security and protection and fullness. He wasn't he didn't have all his theology, um, all the theology revealed to him about the glories of heaven. He didn't understand all that, but he understood that he was to have a life of blessing if he obeyed God and was faithful and trusted in him. In in fact, um, in the film Fiddler on the Roof, there's the song to life to life L'chaim. And L'chaim means life. And they're certainly not talking about dying and going to heaven. That's later clarified for us in New Testament times. They are talking about abundant, joyful life on earth now. God's blessings to the full expression of all that that means. So the point of verse four is to answer Habakkuk's question about why God will judge Judah, but not Babylon. And God's answer is, is this Habakkuk, you don't understand. I will judge Babylon. I will bless godly people in Judah. Babylon will be judged. Their day is coming. They're not going to get away with this. They only appear to be successful and prosperous for a short time. It's only for a season. They're going to have their day in the sun. But it'll be over. 
Once I have used them, Habakkuk, to accomplish my divine purposes, they will be dealt with. They will be judged. And that really was what troubled Habakkuk. Remember, Habakkuk has not read the New Testament. He doesn't he doesn't know about the book of Revelation. He's never sat and listened to a year of teaching on Revelation. He's just a little prophet in a small part of the world, and he sees wickedness prospering. And God says, I'm going to judge Judah. And he says, I don't understand what's going on. And God now explains. I want you to turn, please, to Psalm 73. Because even if the book of Habakkuk was not written, Psalm 73 tells us about the same issue. Written by a man named Asaph. And Asaph, like Habakkuk, had a similar concern about the wicked not being judged. Psalm 73, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogance, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph said, I, I, don't, I don't understand. God is good to Israel, um, to those who are pure in heart, who love him. But I look at the wicked, and he said, and I'm struggling with jealousy. He said, my feet have almost slipped. You know what he means there? My sure footing in God's salvation, I, I almost abandoned the Lord. This is so troubling to me. Why should God's enemies be better off than those who trust him? And he really struggled with this. He almost lost his, his sure footing on God's salvation. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. Not that he thinks he could lose his salvation, but he's about to abandon the Lord. He's struggling with this. And then he expressed from verses 4 through 12 the prosperity of the wicked. And he tells God all, all that I saw. I, I saw them. They were prospering. They, they got away with stuff. I don't understand. In essence, he's saying they're like King Midas. Everything they touch turns to gold. Everything I touched falls apart. But with, with them, he says, that's, that's a problem. Look down at verse 13. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure, and I've washed my hands in innocence, for I've been stricken all day long and, and chastened every morning. He's confused since trusting the Lord. He's been chastened and disciplined. Haven't you ever felt that way? Just like I said before, Lord, I make one false move and you're on me. Others can get away with anything and you leave them alone. That's what he's, he's saying. Verse 15 and 16. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I should have betrayed the generation of thy children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. You know what he's saying? He says, if I share my doubts with the generation of uh, Israelites... It would harm those who trust in the Lord. It would blow them away. I'm, I'm looked to as a man of God. I can't share my struggles and my doubts with them. It would really bother them. Well, what's the bottom line? Well, verse 16 goes on to say, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Until I saw things the way God sees it. Until I got alone with God and he made it clear to me. Until I saw things through his eyes and his perspective and, and interpreted life through the way the Lord sees things, then he said, I understood. Because verse 18 says, surely thou dost set them in slippery places. That's the truth. They're, they're really set in slippery places. Thou dost cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. I mean, they may look prosperous, but in one moment they're going to be destroyed. How they are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakens, O oh Lord, when aroused, thou wilt despise their form. I mean, they're just like, like here for a dream and gone. Dream is, is fleeting, it's passing. He now sees things from God's perspective. He says in verse 23 and 24, Nevertheless, 
I am continually with thee. Thou hast taken hold of my right hand. Thou will counsel. Thou will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. So I'm going to be with you. I mean, these folks just are in the sun for a little while and then they're gone. I'm going to be with you in glory. Asaph worked through his struggles. And don't be envious of the unsaved person who seems to have it all. Because someday God's going to deal with that person and they will have nothing. I look at people who seem to have it all and I say, let them enjoy it because it's the only thing they're going to enjoy. I don't have to be envious of that. In fact, I, I, I say, let them enjoy it. I want them to enjoy it. This is all they get. Let's they come to know Christ. So this is what I hear God saying to Habakkuk. The first aspect of the solution. Habakkuk, I will deal with, with the wicked in a just manner. The wicked Babylonians will die, but the godly in Judah will live. Temporary success only, Habakkuk. That's all they have. It doesn't mean that I won't deal with their sin and judgment. They will be dealt with and they will be dealt with eventually in my timing. But the certainty of, of the uh, judgments is found in verse 5. Furthermore, he says, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like shale and he's like death, never satisfied. And he gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. Now, this is God's indictment on Babylon. He says judgment will come because the Babylonians are like proud, drunken men. They are intoxicated with power and greed. And you know what they do? They roam this earth, swallowing up nations. Uh, they're, they're like Sheol. They're never satisfied. Uh, they always want more. They lust for the nations and they're never satisfied. And that's the indictment. Next time on Verse by Verse, we'll learn not only about God's coming judgment, but also his wonderful help for us when we face what seem like unsolvable problems. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you are in Clearwater or nearby on a Sunday morning, consider yourself invited to join us for worship. Lakeside Community Chapel is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, that's midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Lakeside also operates one of the finest Christian schools in the area. You can learn more about Lakeside Christian School by visiting our website, lakesidechristianschool, all one word, dot O-R-G. Or call 727-461-3311. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve would like to share some thoughts now about how and why you can help keep these classes on the air. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. It's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you. You can learn more about supporting Verse by Verse at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Support Us link. 
In addition, you can listen to or download the audio from today's broadcast, as well as the many programs we keep in the archives. Two other links I'd like to mention are for our free newsletter and podcasting service. Stop in today, if you can, at versebyverseradio.org. Today's lesson was the middle of a three-part message. The entire message is available on cassette or CD. You can order one by calling us at 727-239-0306. C.H. Spurgeon said, There is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them, and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which God's children ought to more earnestly contend than the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne. For it is God upon the throne who we trust. You may wonder why the worst people seem to be the most prosperous. That is a puzzle but only until we understand God's sovereignty and his long-term plans for victory over sin. I hope you can be here next time for the conclusion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's message from Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm your announcer, Jerry Cruden. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.